So Rabbi Nachman is commenting on a pasuk, on a verse from Tehillim, from Psalms. And that's in bold on the top, and it is from the Bible. One of the 24 books of the biblical canon, called Tanakh. Where David HaMelech, King David, sings, Ta'isi Says, I've wandered like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. And the end of the verse is, Because I haven't forgotten your commandments. I haven't forgotten your, you and your guidance. And um, the word commandments is a translation of the word mitzvah. Which in a simple level means commandment, but in a much deeper level it means opportunity for connection. Mitzvah is not just God telling us what to do. He's, he has everything. It's not for him. It's for us, for me and for you. It's an opportunity to connect. Thank you so much. So King David says, I've wandered. I've lost my way. And he uses the metaphor of a lost sheep. And he begs the master of heaven and earth, the divine energy and everything, the infinite, to seek him out. Because he hasn't forgotten your opportunities for intimacy. Your commandments, your guidance, thank you so much. You haven't forgotten. Okay. Says Rabbi Nachman, may his merit protect us. There is a huge distinction and difference between an Avera, sometimes translated as sin, and for each and every person, it's relative to where you're at and where I'm at. But although in the same way that we said that mitzvah could mean commandment, it could also mean connection, so Avera could mean sin, I don't like using the word sin, I know what a sin means. But the actual Hebrew of it means la'avor, Avera means to pass over, means to pass up on, on an opportunity, mm-hmm. right? Literally, to transgress, right? It implies passing over something, right? The chet also means a deviation. That's right. It's not sin, iniquity. A deviation. So Rabbi Nachman says that for each of us on a spiritual journey trying to find our way in this world, which all of us are, we're seekers. That's what defines the human being. Animals are perfectly content being who they are and what they are. But the human being is restless. So there's a huge difference between a person who, again, on, on his or her level, where they're at, they deviate. And they know that they're slipping, and all of us know when we're slipping. Again, each of us relative to what we're trying to work on and how we're trying to grow. There's a difference between slipping. There's a difference between a person who slips and then immediately says, like, this is not me. This is not what I want. I don't want to be involved in things like this. I want to take a step back onto the path of growth. So Rabbi Nachman says, the passage of time is critical. Because if it's just a minute, if it's just five minutes, ten minutes, it's within a day, let's say, it's much easier to get back to where you are because you haven't wandered that far. Because you haven't been that distant from the path of, of the tov, of good. And again, everything is very subjective. There's no such thing as saying, this is the good path, you know, and everything else. There's no such thing. Every single person is on a journey toward the good, and the good manifests in all different ways. And wherever the good manifests, it's the God. You just drop an O, and it becomes, right, it becomes God. Hey, great to see you. Thanks for coming. Right on time, we just started. So, you put, you put, a, you put one more O in, in God, and it becomes good. 
Right? It means wherever you find good, that's godliness. Because why else would there be good? The greatest testament to the fact that what sits at the core of humanity is goodness is the fact that you and I are here, however many thousands of years, if that's your tradition, or billions of years into creation we are. It's a total, it's a, it's a, it's a mind-blowing wonder. But in 2023, like, not only are things pretty darn good, but, like, we're, we're, in, we're, we're in total serenity. Like, I, I don't, I, I keep on saying that, 2024. It's a total miracle, right? Because if what sat at the core of humanity was evil... This whole game would have been over a long, long time ago. Extermination, especially in the much earlier generations when things were evolving and developing. Again, depending on how a person decides to view the great mystery of what happened thousands of years ago that really nobody actually knows. So we're welcome to really, you know, to, to hold on to whatever it is that we feel aligns with, with, with our perspective on the truth. But ultimately, ultimate Mazel Tov, what's the Mazel Tov? Beautiful. 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 So, so, ah, right. So, what sits at the core of it is good. Good is kindness. Good is consciousness. Good is health. Good is balance. Good is patience, and so on. And all of these things are godly in the sense that the human being created in God's image has the capacity to align him or herself with the good in a way that, again, an animal doesn't have that privilege. Not hating on animals. Animals are great, but they're animals, right? But a human being has the capacity to do absolutely tremendous things still within a limited framework. A human being can't fly, a human, right? So we're talking about within the human framework, humans are, are capable of, of greatness, of greatness. The human being is capable of greatness, right? So great is like extra good. Right? Even in English, that's, if we want to say something was really good, we say it was great. So greatness just means really, really goodness. In Russian, it's just very good, very, very good. But, but I'm, I'm using the English as a little bit of a play on word. When we say when a person is great, like what does it mean? Is a great football player? Like oh, is that greatness because they're, they're a great football player? I was, I was uh, taking a plane ride last week back to London from, from Israel. And um, this guy gets gets on the plane. We, we were talking. Just he, he was sitting in a different part of the plane. It was very late, and everybody wanted to sleep, type of thing. So we were sort of hoping that we don't sit next to each other because, like, that would have been awkward. Um, but we were just walking down the what are they, what's it called? The thing leading to the plane. The gangway. The, huh? Gangway. Sleeve. The sleeve. Maybe I'm just trying to say from Hebrew. Oh. The aisle. Oh. Right. Whatever. Not the aisle. You know the, the connector the thing. thing. Yeah. Anyway, oh, we are not the gangway. Is it called well, a gangway? Who knows? Anyway, we, now that we all know what I'm speaking about, it's completely irrelevant. Anyway, we're so we're walking down this thing, um, and you know we were we were talking about like oh oh that was the point. He's like yeah I'm way too tired to talk to. He's like I hope I don't sit next to someone who tries talking to me. Um, he's like it's it's way too late. And I asked him I said is there anybody who like you wouldn't mind talking to like like yeah, I'm just curious like well, I'm just trying to get a feel for who he, you know he's like if Michael Jordan was on the plane he's like I, pr- I probably. I'd probably talk to him. Like, I'd probably... He's like, he probably would not want to talk to me. I said, it's not likely he'd be taking a whiz air, you know, like economy, whatever, like flight. Anyway, but then I said to him, I said, why? Like, why Why would you spend the whole night, essentially, because it was like a 2 a.m., 3 a.m. flight talking to Michael Jordan about what? He's like, he's a, he's a, he's a great man. Yeah, this is what happens if you happen to be boarding a plane with me. <laughs> so it gets really deep and philosophical super quickly. And I said, like... I said, is he a great man? He's like, yeah, he's a great man. 
I said, why? He said, he's a, he's a great basketball player. The greatest of all time. I mean, you're, you're familiar with Michael yeah. Jordan, right? I know it's not a British sport. Um, I said, that's true. He's the greatest, arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. But I said, do you think he's a great person? Is, is, he, is he a great person? Now, again, I don't want to, when I hate on Michael Jordan, everything is relative. I don't know that he's not a great person, and I'm sure that he's done great things. But the point is, is that being great at a thing doesn't make you great. It makes you great at, but it doesn't make you extra good. And that's what great means. Or great means extra good. So, if a person has deviated from the path of the good in his or her life, says Rabbi Nachman, this great spiritual master, if you take one step back on your your back, Ki, ah, great to see you, Rav Thanks for coming. That's fine. Scary thing. And this is, is incredibly deep and important. That also relates to, to that speech mm-hmm. that I think you sent to Harry. Yes, yeah, Harry. Right. Okay. What happens when a person takes a step off of that, that path? Again, I want to clarify the path that looks different for each and every individual depending on where they are and, and, and where they're at. Listen to these words. That person immediately travels and turns away. Is the path of the straightforward. El toward what's called a derech acher mekulkal. To a corrupted way. To a twisted path. And then, and then a most horrible thing happens. And this is, is very, very deep and very, and very important. From that other path that a person steps onto when he steps off of the path of the good, which we could translate into the path of self-nullification, what I like to call being transparent to our source so that we become a channel as opposed to like being something, which is a complete delusion. And we take the path of the ego, we take the path of the selfish, we take the path of the cruel, we take the path of pushing others down to boost ourselves up and so on. That's the other path. Immediately, says Rabbi Nachman, there's no such thing as walking that path concurrently with the good path and then hopping on from one to the next because all of us know how it goes. It's what's called in English a slippery slope because there are a great many of those paths and you can wander really, really, really far. And we're familiar with the teaching of Chazal, of our sages, where they say, this is the way of the evil inclination of the Yitzhahara. Hayom amelcha seikach, today he'll say, do this. And Lamachar, all of a sudden you're doing, you're doing something different. And then with the passage of months, you're like, how did I even get here? How did I even get here? And just to point out, and then I'll take a question, this is reflective, or a comment, this is reflective of the addictive process, where it's known that this is how addiction works. You start with the, what's called the gateway, and then before you know it, not you, but before a person knows it, they find themselves involved in things that they don't even they don't even want, like you know, things that they 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 never at the outset would have found enticing, attractive, interesting. What's the business left there? Right? Oh yes, yes, right. Yeah. How, how does this fit in with the with the idea of as we get closer to the Masonic Bay is that you'll be able that people can be living in both paths. Hmm. Rabbi Gershon Miller speaks. He used to speak a lot sure. about it in his early days in Gates. After I left, about 
I mean, I saw it. I saw boys who would be sitting, learning all day long, and then at night time they were sure. Lailena, they were in the brothels. Yeah. Know. Why should I talk about anybody else? I am it. <laughs> to a yeah, certain so degree, how, all of us are. We, we, we have this split. So you can walk along these two paths, or you can't. You're saying you can't, but make it clear. And 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 here I want to get into a point that's very important. But but to hold on a little bit because we have a lot to cover. Okay. But this is a deep thing that I want to speak out. Let's start like this. Why is it that the path of the good is one path, and the path of call it the 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 not good or that which is antithetical to the good are many paths? Think about this deeply. What Rabbi Nachman is doing is aligning the good with the singular. Think about this carefully. And the not good with the many. Okay, when we think of one and many, we think of, at least in a religious sense or a spiritual sense, we think of monotheism versus polytheism. Now, some of us will be familiar with the teaching or the saying of Chazal, of our sages, miot rabim shtayim. In Hebrew, if you want to say two, of a thing, you add the letters Yud and Mem to the end of the word, it makes it plural. Now that can mean two of the thing. It could also mean three trillion of the thing. Because once you open it up to plural, it can mean two. Once it's two, it could it could be any infinite number of things. It's like Aiden. Hmm? It's like Aiden. It doesn't make a difference if it's two Aiden. Like that's, right, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Beautiful. Great application. That's why I don't believe in moderation. In? In moderation. What do you mean? So that I don't drink, I eat well, this, that, whatever. And people tell me, do it once, this, do it once. Oh, that's okay, I've done it once. Two becomes four, becomes ten. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So listen to this. It's an incredible thing. What is the ultimate one? From our perspective, what's the ultimate one? God. God, right? The creator. Believe that there's one single creator. That's the great novel idea of Judaism. That was then adopted by Christianity, in a sense, Islam, in a much deeper sense. But Avram Avinu, Abraham was, you know, he brought oneness to the world. So, if the ultimate oneness is the creator, what is the earliest root of two-ness? I spoke about this in that class. That's why it's so interesting that you're, you're here now for this, because it's the same exact thing. What is the first concept of, of two? Creator and creation. All of a sudden, there's two things, because the creator is not the creation. He, he created. Hmm. Okay, so here's the deepest thing. Creation, in and of itself, it's the old philosophical conundrum of a tree falls in a forest. Does anybody hear the sound? Right? Creation, in and of itself, is a, is, a non set, is a non-starter without consciousness. If there's nothing conscious to perceive creations, then creation might as well not exist. Even if it exists, it doesn't exist in a certain sense. Because the whole thing is just a little bit of a video game. It's all dependent on the first-person player. Right? Meaning there, there isn't a place called Minecraft when you didn't load it on your whatever you play it on. It, it, it's not. Right? It needs the perspective. I'm using this as a simple mus- a parable from of the person who's engaged in it to be able to, to make it real. So the human consciousness of Adam is the first person created, Adam HaRishon, the first, is all important. Because he gets to make the ultimate choice. Not to choose good from bad, because that's later on. Is he going to choose creator, oneness, 
or is he going to choose creation, the second thing? And once you choose the second thing, so what you're essentially choosing is a million fragmented pieces that don't necessarily have to connect in any which way. Meaning, the second you focus on, on, on the creation aspect and focus on the self, what we lose is the opportunity to experience life in a cohesive way where there is a thread of meaning that's sewn into every aspect of the human condition, where everything is one, right? where every person is connected with every other person, where every moment is connected with every other moment in history, where there's a singular narrative, a beginning of the story, a middle of the story, and an end of the story. And if we don't live like this, so then life is, is incredibly fragmented. This is what it means to believe in God. It's, it's, not, it's not like, okay, you choose to be like a religious fanatic believing in a thing that like, I mean, you have to be like a fairy tale. It's much deeper than this. It means not that you believe in a God. I mean, it's, it's like two people, like one person happens to be religious, the other person happens not to be religious and they live exactly the same. If that's what's going on, then the person who believes in God among those two doesn't actually believe in God. Because it makes no difference that you're a card-carrying whatever religion you think you are. If it's not transforming your life, so then it's absolutely nothing. It's nothing. It, it, maybe it's better off, and there's a religious affiliation, perhaps, and maybe that in some way, you know, etc. Maybe, you know, whatever. There are values and, and whatever. But that's not what it is. To believe in God means to believe in oneness. It means to experience oneness. Now let's bring it down to a more personal standpoint. Right? You and I are human beings who, as we experience life, have two components to ourselves. We can call them inside and outside, right? Or we can call them physical or, or metaphysical or spiritual, if you will. These are all semantics, right? Meaning anything that's not my body I can say the brain, okay, but the brain is also physical and you can't touch a thought. So call it spiritual. Again, all this is just word games. So sometimes I speak to people and they don't believe in anything I believe in, but they believe in everything I believe in. They just use different words for it. So it's ridiculous, right? So shed all the words. Let's talk about concepts, ideas. Inner and outer. Listen to the deepest thing. The Kabbalists teach, the Mukabalim teach, that although my nose smells and my eye sees and my ear hears and my fingers touch and my mouth speaks, my soul, which is manifest in my body, which animates it because Shem should protect everybody. You could have a person who's absolutely physically healthy and just doesn't wake up the next morning. And if they're of that persuasion, they could be chopped up and their kidneys go to this one and the heart goes to that one. And I don't know, do they do brain transplants yet? I, not, I don't. Yeah, they do. They can. Well, that's wild stuff. Anyway, but all the different parts of the body goes to different people. Mm -hmm. They're fully functioning and healthy organs, but it's lacking the spirit, right? So they say that the soul is a unified hearing, seeing, feeling, smelling, tasting being. All parts of it, because it's not from the physical realm where things are measured by left and right and up and down and, and where this is this and that is that. It, it's just, it's the realm of oneness. It's the realm of the spirit. So you can do all of these things. The way that my soul manifests its capacity to speak is through my mouth. The way it manifests its capacity to smell is through my nose. The way it manifests its capacity to see is through my eyes. So it turns out like this. If I'm a person, and I pray to be, and I hope to be, 
who really believes in God. Meaning, again, use whatever language you'd like, who really believes that beyond the surface of reality, there's a unifying energy, that there's meaning to this life, and there is a definitive sense of purpose that runs through every facet of the human experience. And I understand that my job as a conscious being is to wake up to that reality, is to just come to recognize that. Then I identify as a soul and I am connected to the path of the good, which is singular. Just singular, because the soul is singular. But when I begin to identify as my, as my body, as an ego, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an identity on my own in this world, divorced from any higher meaning, anything beyond what my mind can grasp and what feels good for me in the moment, even in the realm of ideas, so then I'm connected to the realm of the fragmented, where this hand is not that foot, and this nose is not that ear. And in the realm of the physical, everything is, is separate. So now abstract the idea a little bit. If this is the way that we could experience ourselves, so then imagine a person experiencing a world that has both a physical and a, or a potential spiritual element. If I'm connected to the spirit of the world, then I'm connected to the unity and everything. And there's no fundamental difference between a, a, a tree and a, and, a, and a bird. And there's no fundamental difference between fire and a rainbow. And they're all creations of one creator. And there's fundamental unity and there's harmony. And there's the possibility of the brotherhood of man so that the whole humanity can get together and can link arms. And that instead of looking at each other, we can join each other in humbly looking up so that we can transcend this maniacal um, drive toward imperialism and, and, and cruelty, right? But if we're people that are looking at, at, the, at the physical, and that everything is fragmented, and I don't believe in any realm other than this one, in which case, this life matters a whole lot. And if this life matters a whole lot, and this is all I have, and, and you're you and I'm me, and we don't have any partnership of any kind, so then, you better believe I'm gonna I'm gonna kick you in, not you but kick a person in the face so that I can I can progress in life. Like why not? Why not? Can I say something? Sure, please. So it's, it kind of correlates to this. So I've had a thought about when you talk about animals and trees and everything. When you watch an animal, the animal kind of moves like the wind. Doesn't? It's not thinking about I've committed to this direction. No, I can't go that way. You know, the dog follows his nose. Goes this way, that way, anyway. And then with humans, it's the same thing. Like in the intention of a human is you flow and when are you supposed to use that thinking brain you know, to protect yourself from danger from death and we've created an environment that's so comfortable and we have no reason to activate the kind of protective side of our brain where you know the ego comes into play let me protect myself my being where now we're activating it all the time because there's nothing that hmm. there's nothing for it to naturally be activated and we're so bored and then we're using it in, in totally distorted ways you know? that's right that's right. And so part of, part of, of, um, of, of growing is to learn to adapt to the reality. Because on the one hand, we're all idealists. On the other hand, we have to recognize, like at the end, we have phones in our pockets and we're not about to let them go. So how to figure out how to, how to live in this, in the, in this circumstance. Um, but the ultimate thing is to look deeper, to look deeper at our own identity and to find the soul, to look deeper at the world and find the soul, to find oneness. And that's where Ibn Nachman is using um, the single path 
as the as the symbol for the good. And once a person steps off, that means you stepped not just from the good path into the bad path. It meant that you stepped off the con- out of the consciousness of singularity, which means God, soul, peace, etc. And you stepped into what's called miyot rabim shtayim, into the realm of multiplicity. And once you do that, there's no telling how, how, how far a person can, can go. So, so this, this kind of taking it back to what Dolly was talking about, you know, like Bochum, that basically, like, during the day, shtayim, they would, you know, knocking out those daf and motion, whatever it was, and then in the evening, people would find themselves in places less desirable by far. Is it, is it the idea that basically it's it's not a question of it's taking whatever they have and then going wherever they're going? Meaning, it doesn't mean that they they're letting go, which in, I guess in a way is a good thing because it's the only anchor to where they're coming from. But it's not the same them that's going to be there tomorrow. Right. So here I was coming to the answer. Yeah. yeah the, the, so the answer to this question is, right now we're speaking about the side of the goof, the side of the body, the side of the physical. So when we speak about stepping off, the soul is pure, the soul is always pure, the soul stays. But it means that the direction that the person is heading in, in the aspect of the nightlife, etc., whatever aspect of that life, there they can travel. It doesn't mean that they're not anchored. They may be anchored, but there's going to be a part of them that will develop and devolve and continue to, to go in this way, into, um, the into, in, into the fragmentation. I would also be um, so heartbreakingly bold to, as to suggest that many times there is no fundamental difference between the learning they're doing in the morning and the other stuff that they're doing it's just that the ego takes the form of learning in the morning and it takes the form of whatever else they're doing at night right not necessarily just because someone is sitting in front of a gemara does it mean that this is kaddish this is and the swarm are full with horrible stuff read what can they feel What's the, that's right, you know. So you could be learning, but we're talking about a spiritual experience. That's why we need a fundamental shift in our in our community. I guess, I guess the, most, the most amazing thing, quoted just exactly what you were saying that um, I can't remember who said it. Somebody today said one of the gadolim said the biggest thing is community God Lada. It's, it's it's not about what you know; it's who you are. It's sure. about the great great person, you know. Great sure, right. you could be great at learning Talmud. You know, the question is, are we are we unified? We're unified people. Are we patient? Are we calm? Are we everything that is good? That is good. Are we conscious? Conscious in all of their forms. Our great people, our gedolim. Literally, we call them gedolim. Means great. Our great people were great scholars, but that's not that's not what it, what we what we when we think about their greatness. That's one aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But we think about their kindness. We think yeah, about their humanity. Values, we think about their spiritual it's values. That, that's it. That's it. Right. right. Maybe they'll have one or two chapters. They speak about their. Pff, but that's not what they. That's not what they're really remembered for. That's how they are perpetually remembered because we learn their works. But that's not. That's not what it is. These were great people. Great people. Okay. Let, let, we have a lot to get to. So let, let's jump back in. Let's jump back in. But that. But that was an important point. Okay. So let's go back. The beginning of the third line. A person turns from the derech hayasha, from the straight path, 
and also straight connotes directionality. It means that there's a back and there's a front, which is a, which is a novel idea. It's a chiddush in today's generation because today uh, there's spiritual vertigo. Nobody knows what anything is anymore. Or Rabbi Nachman says, no, no, there is a definitive back and there's a, there is a definitive forward. And it has nothing to do with history. It has to do with um, moral rectitude, rightness, righteousness. Right? And so just because the world and culture has evolved in a wonderful way that we produce the greatest mental health crisis ever known to man, but we, we're doing much better. So we've evolved, right, past certain morality and moral structures, we've evolved. And that's in the past, that doesn't necessarily mean that we've gone forward, right? There is a way that's forward. There, there is an objective back and there is an objective forward. And now we've turned al derech acher makukul into a distorted way. And then the sham yotzemi oisa derech kam of a kam and Then there are all these offshoots udrachim toimum kukalim ma'oid, and all of these bewildering ways. Shekish maschil and lelech has v'shalom that when once a person starts to walk ba'osa derech ara on that path, as I toim and avoychem be'ilu adrachim, so then a person can get really lost. And a person didn't take that step right back on the same way that they stepped off and they let things slide for a little bit too long and like, whoa. And it's like, where am I? So listen to this. With the master of heaven and earth, the divine spirit in everything, his way is is to call to a person. The minute that we see the person turning, and here he uses another terminology to describe and define what is the straight path, what is the path of the good. Says Rabbi Nachman, it's the path of the intellect. It's the path of the intellect. Because we have our heart and we have our mind. And the goal is to utilize our thinking to be able to control and to be able to guide the passions of the heart, to make calculations. All of us have been in this situation, I'm sure in some frame of, or a framework or another, even in the past couple of days, whether it's eating or whether it's fill in the blank, whatever it is for you, where on one hand, your brain is telling you not a good idea and your heart is telling you this is the best idea ever, right? And it's really not a good idea. It's, it's not good, gonna, gonna be good in, in the longer run, right? And so we, and, and so the goal is to become people who are so mature, much like adults are vis-a-vis -vis children, but we can be the adult in the room even vis-a-vis -vis the vast majority of other adults who are busy ruining their lives in the name of making their lives a whole lot better, but it just leads to terrible misery. And so we can be the grown-ups in the room. And what that means is to be able to identify with the mind and to be able to allow our mind to rein in the, the passions and to, I would say, rein in to guide the passions. So it's the way of Hashem, of God, when he sees the person walk away from this path, Hashem calls him back. Hashem says, turn around, turn around. Now, listen very carefully to this, and I hope that I listen too. Each person gets called in accordance with who they are and where they're at. There are certain people, they'll just get a little hint. That's all they'll need. They'll be having a day where they're not living up to their, their, their best selves, again, whatever that is for them. And they'll they'll get some kind of indirect hint. And it's like, okay, I got, I got it. I got it. I got I to gotta make a U-turn. So it could be just you're driving and you see a sign, U-turn sign, let's say, and, it, and it, you're spiritually aware enough to think and to know that God is in everything and that this whole thing is just a game. And you say, wow, that God is telling me I got to turn around and that's enough for you. 
And there are other people that God has to call out to in a louder voice, in a louder voice. And that could be a little bit more unsettling or something more beautifully direct, straight, something that speaks to the person. And here's the little bit scary thing, but it's so beautiful because thank God that our Father in Heaven loves us so much that He's willing to, 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 you know, to give us the what's called in Yiddish the patch, the little, the little smack that we need to wake up, to wake up. There are some people that get clobbered in one way or another. There are some people that get clobbered. And this is God calling out to you. Because the Torah is hollering in pain, in anguish. Until when, you fools, will you continue to love folly? And it's not because the Torah just wants to like ruin our lives. It's because the Torah has so much compassion for us. And we are in so much pain that's completely avoidable. And the Torah is like, guys, like, <coughs> just trust me. Like, I know what's going on. I was encoded by the being that encoded the whole planet. Like, I, like, let's try this for a while, you know? Thank you so much for coming. I hope it wasn't anything I said. No, 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 no. Thanks. Right? Trust me. And the Torah cares. The Torah is God. It's, it's God's revelation. And so God is calling out, and Hashem is calling out, and begging Shiach Siri, love that we should return to. Therefore, all the while that a person hasn't gone that far, you just take one step back on, like we said, we haven't gotten lost. And we're still conscious, we're still aware of what life is about, what the purpose is. You know, I want to grow, I want to be bigger, better, greater. Step back on. So he puts it in the context of this metaphor, because you still recognize the voice that's calling you. You're still awake to conscience. You're still awake. The Ragalba, you're used to it because it was yesterday that you were connected in such a deep way. You were plugged in. And you got the value of trying to align ourselves with the will of the divine, trying to get ourselves out of the way, trying to model our lives in a way that emulates God's traits. So we haven't forgotten the voice. I haven't gotten so lost in these other twisted and confused paths. I can come right back. And this is like the parable of a shepherd. When one of the sheep gets lost from the flock, as I take it, so what does the shepherd do? He calls him back. He calls him back to the flock. All the while that the sheep has not gone that far, as he recognizes, oh, who's calling me? It's the shepherd. He turns away and he comes back. And he immediately he rejoins the flock. But once the, the, the sheep is, is, is gone for so long, he's not, he's not even aware, he doesn't recognize the voice anymore. And here's a really scary thing. I don't even know what this means. At a certain point, the shepherd's just going to stop calling him because what's the use? 
scary so thing. Like the person who has things bad happening to them in life, and instead of thinking, you know, how can I change this? Life is life is good. Things certain things can be bad. Think, oh, life has it out for me. Life is terrible, and they live in that state. Exa- exactly. Exactly. Instead of using this as an opportunity to wake up and to say, mm, "Well, for sure." So, so a scary yeah. thing. So the prophets, the, the, the prophet, the shepherd says, "Like, forget this." Because he's been wandering for that so long. The person is wandering for such a long time. And he's so deep in this twisted forest of all these different paths. All these different words, right? These twisted, mistaken, confused, and um, also mixed up. Paths as I kushalilasha, it's hard for him to come back. I'm just remembering a story which my Rabbi Rabbi Weinberger tells over often. He said that um, there was once a very prestigious poetry contest, like spoken word. You know, they have these contests where people come and read their poetry. It was a tremendous, tremendous contest, a big auditorium, a big theater. And all these different kids from these like prep schools, all these, you know, fancy cultured kids are coming to you know, to read different poetry, modern poetry, classical poetry. And one of the, um, one of the, of, of, of the, of the kids, I think it was at the very end of the contest, it was his turn and he stands up there, maybe like a college kid. And he decides that he's going to read a Psalm from King David, very, uh, you know, an ancient of ancient poetry, Mizmor the David. It's a psalm where it basically says, "Hashem Roy says, "God is my shepherd; I, I shall not lack," uh, and, and so on and so forth. That's a beautiful, short little psalm poem. Yeah, I am David. Amen. There, right. So he gets up there, and in perfect crisp, you know, diction and, and, and pronunciation, and and, the, and 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 all the correct, you know, rules of poetry reading, tr- drama, and everything, he reads out this. Psalm. Fascinating. Did the greatest job. Gets a standing ovation and, and, and incredible. And from the back of the room, there's an elderly Jewish man hunched over. Maybe one of his grandchildren was in the contest. And he calls out with whatever's left, left of his voice. Maybe he sounded something like me, <laughs> like I do tonight. And he said, <clears throat> and I cleared his voice. He said, <clears throat> he said, would you mind if I gave that a go? In front of the whole theater. So, you know, they're cultured enough that uh, they're not going to embarrass an old man who wants to read a poem, let the men read a poem, you know. Okay, it's like murmuring in the crowd. It takes him a while with the walker to schlep down the aisle, you know, red carpet, and, and he makes his way up. They help him up to the stage. And he stands there with no drama, no charisma, no anything. And he reads the words, God is my shepherd, I shall not, shall not lack. And when he finishes the, the psalm, no standing ovation, silence. People are crying. Somehow his reading the, the, the psalm, the poem, had such a deep, deep impact on people. So they came over, over to him afterwards and they asked him, how did you do that? How did you do that? Why was your reading so different than than the other, you know, person who, who read it in such a professional, proper way. He said, I'll tell you. 
he said, the person who read the poem, who read the psalm, he knows the psalm. But me, I know the shepherd. <laughs> I know the shepherd. <laughs> so he knows how to read the words. God is my shepherd. I shall not lack. So he knows the psalm. But I know the shepherd. Something else. Something else. And about still hearing the voice of the shepherd being awake to the shepherd's call, the shepherd's guidance. So listen to this strange thing he says in the next paragraph. V'dai you should know. That these distorted and twisted ways. When a person really gets lost, but really gets lost, deep, deep decades of searching to the point that the person doesn't know who they are anymore, what they were ever looking for, what this world is. You know, like you can get into these deep pockets of the internet. I don't know if you're ever privileged enough to wander down these dark roads, but you can get into play. You don't even know what is going on anymore. You know, all the theories of alternate realities and you don't know what. You don't know what's true and what's false and, and you're lost. So listen to this. It's possible that a person will get really, really, really lost and will wander for long periods of times down these twisted paths. And then specifically because of how lost they are. Crazy thing. Things can turn around and They'll get so lost that without even knowing it, they'll end up back to the exactly like full circle. Maybe they got so lost that they ended up back to where they were. And there will only be the slightest, smallest of spaces physically in the metaphor between where they were and, 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 and where they and where they are. And very easily. Through just the smallest amount of effort, everything can be fixed. <clears throat> everything can be fixed. I think before we had a theory of addiction that we referred to as rock bottom, where, you know, where people get to a place where things are so, so out of control that they, that they get this incredible level of clarity. It would have been very hard to understand this. But now you can understand where, a per- where things can go so miserably wrong that they start becoming more right than they ever were, specifically because of the, the shock. In the, in the world where I live, I work in, like, you've got to hit rock bottom sometimes to, right. to come back. Because when you hit rock bottom, you realize that... Oh, That's gosh. right. And, and there's a relative rock bottom for every person, yeah, given, given their circumstance. Meaning to one person, rock bottom means losing their job, losing their relationships, ending up at who knows where, right? For other people, rock bottom just means really being stuck. And in whatever state of place and saying like this is not working this is just not working even if it doesn't mean that their life is completely uh, you know it's enough for them to jolt them specifically because of having wandered so far where where they have a deep insight into what life is and what it actually isn't what it what it certainly isn't and the way that he's setting it up given this like portrait he's, he's painting now we can understand how that works out because you wander so far and you end up back to where you were. It's almost like it's almost like a um, process of elimination. I mean, he starts going down the path and, and he goes, okay, you know, there's, there's all this manyness. Right. It's, it's not that. 
I mean, it's not that. I mean, hmm. But by the time he's, he's, he's at the end, so now he knows what it's not. <laughs> Hmm. But that back. could be part of it. That could be part of it. I mean, that that suggests some level of consciousness. Or Nachman is saying, like the guy, like it's not part maybe of a calculation. It's he's got right, maybe subconsciously. But that's a fascinating thing. Because how does he know where to go back to? Because he doesn't. He doesn't. Ah, oh, so listen. To, so listen to this. See, he says the most heartbreaking thing because he's right there. <laughs> but when Hashem sets it up that the guy can come back, it's not going to help because they so it's so easy, like we were saying before, a person like God is giving you a gift, you know, shaking you awake. But it's not going to happen for that person. And he just stays there. And it's like heartbreaking because you're right there. They never wake up to it. What do they need? They need a tzaddik. They need a spiritual master who can teach them, give them the secret. That no matter how far a person thinks that they are, they're so close, they're so close, they're so close. And that takes that takes a gift from heaven to encounter that message. And he carries on, he continues with this, we'll wrap up. He says, This is the difference between a child and an elderly person. Someone who's still young. And a person's not so settled in their ways. It's much easier for a young person to change their life than an older person. Very, very hard for a person who's well on, settled, you know, set in their ways. A young person can change everything. But on a deeper level, because they're, they're, they're closer to the innocence of youth, they're closer to the experience of just being a soul without the delusion of a body, they recognize the voice. So now we return to that verse from Psalms, from Tehillim, where David HaMalach says, we'll read the words again, Ta'isi oived, I've wandered like a lost sheep. And then he says, seek me out, Ki because I haven't forgotten you. Now I can understand it on a deeper level. King David is singing, I've wandered from that straight path, like a lost sheep, who's wandered from the path. From the flock. Master of heaven and earth, I'm begging you, seek me out now. Truncate the experience that I shouldn't have to spend so many years wasting my time. Because now I haven't forgotten, I'm still so close. Don't, don't like, you know, give me a month. Because then, who knows, I, I, might, I might forget and I might get... Lost right now, I'm still close enough to remember that this is not what I want. So call me home. All the while that I still hear the voice of the Torah, that I still hear the voice of opportunities for intimacy. I haven't forgotten you. Call me immediately. I haven't forgotten. I still remember and recognize that voice. Shema Torah, the voice of the Torah, that's begging me to come home. I came back so my request is, Shetarachim Allah, have mercy on me. Vakshini mehir miyad, call me back now. All the while that I still have a yearning inside of me to be bigger, to be great. All the while that my conscience is still speaking loud and clear. 
When a person becomes already old, so then very, very hard. Meaning to say, they've given up. And once they've given up, so forget it. They won't hear the voice. Even if they hear it, you know, like Acher, you remember the Gemara? Like Acher, Elisha ben Avuya, there's a great Tanaic sage who became very distant from, from, from Jewish observance and from closeness to, to God. And he heard a heavenly voice calling out, saying, Shuvu banim shavavim, return all of my children. And you know what he heard it say? Chutz me'acher. God was calling out, I want everybody to come close to me except for, except for you. That's what he heard. And so and the Mepharshim, so the commentaries say that's not what he heard. He heard everybody's call, called back to God. But he had already given up on himself so, so deeply that it, 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 what he heard was except you. And that, that's what he felt. And that's why it's specifically Elisha ben Avuya who teaches in Pirkei Avos he's still quoted in Ethics of Our Fathers, one of the foundational texts of their old, their old Torah, their old tradition. He says, what is one who learns Torah in his youth compared to? Like ink written on brand new parchment. Like ink written on brand new clean parchment. Right, a person who learns Torah when they're much older, what's it compared to? He says it's like niyar written al al suva ink that's written al niyar lachuk on parchment that's already been written on, and it's like been erased, but it's haphazard and it's it's not clear because he felt that he he was zucking, he was too far gone. He said, "I can never come back." So he gives up. So we have to we have to daven, we have to pray to God. Hashem help me all the while that I haven't given up on life, that I haven't given up on myself. Hashem call me home. Give me an opportunity to connect. Give me an opportunity. It's all the while that I haven't forgotten you. Turn the page over just for two to five more minutes. It's very, very short teachings. We'll just do two and then we'll leave out the last one. But just look at these two lines. One is from a sefer, a book called Sicha Saran, another foundational text of Rabbi Nachman. And listen to what he says here. Powerful thing. He says, Gam ein tov leo zake. He said, it's not good to be old. Ein chasid zakein, not good to be an old uh, pious person. Ve'ein sadik zakein, not to be an old righteous person. I don't care what you are, just don't be old. He hated old... Of course, he's not talking about old people. He had nothing against old people. Many of his disciples were decades older than him. He died at 39 years old. And he started his uh, his Hasidic court when he was 13. As just a real chazi. Rabbi Nachman was always young, right? But he says, don't be, go- don't be old. What do you mean? <coughs> it's a miraculous chadej. We need renewal. We need renewal. B'chal yayim. Every day start new. Be a professional beginner. Be a professional beginner. This is the one thing you're an expert at, just beginning again. Begin every every second again. And then we turn to finally a biographical sketch of Rabbi Nachman's life called Chaim Aharon, the life of this great, great mystic Rabbi Nachman. Amar Rabbi Nachman said, It's not enough to say that not a word leaves my mouth without renewal. 
every word of Rabbi Nachman is fresh, fresh. It's filled with hope. It's filled with renewal. Ella, afilu hevel in the He says, I don't take a breath without without renewal. It's very deep. Every breath I take is a new opportunity to start fresh. Every breath that leaves my mouth is a new beginning. This is how Rabbi Nachman lived. He said, don't be old. Don't be old. Keep dreaming. Have big ideals. These are the people who are going to change the world. Because if anybody's going to change the world, it's going to be the people who still believe it's possible. The people who for sure won't change the world are the people who have already given up on it. They for sure won't change it. So what's left? It's to be idealistic. To be idealistic about the world and to be idealistic about our inner world. To believe that we can grow, that we can be great, that we can shine the light of the divine, that we can that we can really be people who are plugged in or connected who are part of the flock. People who don't pass over Avera opportunities for connection mitzvot. And that's a big blessing to be young. Big blessing. Okay, thanks for uh, for joining me for this. Sorry about my voice, could hardly get it out. But what a teaching, what a teaching, what a teaching. Torah Amazing. Any questions? Answers? Comments? It's funny, my grandmother, my grandmother used to, used to say, she used to say the first part of it, she used to say, but she said first, it's good to there, and it's good to become old, but it's not good to be old. Mm. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So I say uh, uh, that thing Herb Shlomo used to say. He says, I hope that I'll be, I hope never to be childish, but I hope always to be childlike. So I can put these two things together. I hope to get old, but not to be old, and I hope to be childlike and not childish. You say, Yes, exactly right. So don't be thrown into Zygmunt. You said you can age very gracefully. So the shot comes, people are thrown into, they suddenly feel old. Right, right. That's also true on a physical level, meaning we want to age gracefully, like practically. Um, but I think on a deeper level, what David, King David is saying over there in that verse as well, he says, Master of heaven and earth, don't throw me into old age, means don't let me give up on myself. I want to be new. Every minute, every breath. I don't, I don't know if you if you heard what Rav Sasson said on on uh, that particular Mizmor um, David. No. And then he said that Shiftecha or Mishantecha Hayemei Nachoni. It doesn't sound it doesn't sound to be right. How can you say that that that, 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 that you know the rod and 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 the staff is, is your is my comfort? How can you say that? Right. And his answer is no. I said because it's your rod and it's your oh. staff. That's why I'm comforted. Beautiful. Because I know you're trying to tell me something. Beautiful. Meaning, it's meaning, not... meaning. In other words, even the rod and the staff that all that's usually connotes hitting, like that's not comforting. But the fact that whatever, whenever I'm hit, it's you, that's my comfort. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So every step further that the person is, he's kind of closer to Hashem. Beginning is just well, 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 theoretically. At the beginning is just the remez, so it's not so. Uh, uh. And then he gets, you know, Hashem speaks to him directly, even though he's further away, but Hashem Beautiful. speaks to him even more directly. Beautiful. And well, isn't that, isn't that shit to Right? Because that would mean that if I have to get shaken up, then it's a deeper experience of God than just seeing a, a hint. And it's specifically because of how, how far we've, we've gone.